Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we recap New Japan's Dominion pay-per-view. AEW comes to Murder City. Sasha Banks may have been released. Jeff Hardy... Oh, Jeff Hardy and Vince McMahon. You know, as somebody who's been following Vince McMahon for a long time, the news that came out about Vince McMahon this week is just shocking. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Bay of Ringside podcast. I was wondering if you were even going to say the word or not. <laughs> That's not my bit. Right. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside Podcast. I am Bill Vega, your host as always, a.k.a. Avon Smarksdale. And sitting <laughs> to my left, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Oh, shit. That was good. Good job, Vice. I'll ask the congregation to now bow their heads as we read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, volume 261. Chapter 3, verse 14, and the good smart saith, hashtag, boo the heels, it's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. I keep saying to myself, man, you know, this might be like kind of a down week for wrestling. You know, we just got, you know, Dominion to talk about, you know, maybe Forbidden Door, you know, build. And then all of a sudden, WWE just got to just be like, you know what? Hold my beer. One of these days we'll have a slow week. Uh, <laughs> we're coming at you. No two beer tonight. Uh, he had some work stuff that took him away from the podcast. Uh, I know that he is missing this week. He is uh, upset on the text thread that we have. Uh, he is lamenting the fact that he can't be here this week. We are coming at you from sweltering St. Charles, Missouri. Is it hot down there in St. Louis, uh, 20 miles to the east of us? Oh, yeah. It's, it's still hot as motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it's the second circle of Hades, but, yeah, it's hot to the motherfucker. Don't it get it twisted. It has been over uh, – it's been – well, they say it's in the 90s. It's been in the hundreds. I mean, it feels like 110. Humidity is at, like, 85% or something like this. There's less humidity underwater. <laughs> it's fucking hot, people. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we have – like I said, I, I'm going to let JCB call the first count because I don't know what we want to do. There's so many different ways we can go this week. There is a lot of stuff. Um, uh, you know, let's just get to that three count. One, two, three. <laughs> JCB, kick it off. Oh, man. I, I really honestly, I had Dominion set, ready to go until – now, so yeah, let's just let's flip it to just, WWE. Just do it. Fucking goddamn you, <laughs> motherfuckers! Okay, so a couple of major stories coming out from the world of WWE non uh, non in ring related. The first uh, I did see, and obviously both stories are ups and unsubstantiated. It's uh, Rumors and a little bit of investigative digging. The first rumor that I want to talk about is the possible release of Sasha Banks. I did see Sasha trending on Twitter late last night into this morning. And, of course, my curiosity is always peaked when, you know, someone is trending. You know, what the fuck do these motherfuckers do now? 
So, of course, I click on it, and it is a rumor that Sasha Banks has been released by the WWE. So I'm saying to myself, okay, well, first and foremost, Sasha Banks is under contract by WWE, so it would have to take some sort of legal maneuvering in some form or fashion to, to get her out of said contract. If I'm not mistaken, I didn't do my due diligence on this. Um, I'm not. Sh- I know she signed, re-signed with the WWE. I'm just not sure for how long, so on and so forth. But in order to get out of some contract like this, and knowing Vince, it's pretty ironclad. You're going to have to have a nice little team of warriors to get out of said contract. So that is the latest rumor. I have not seen anything past the point of her being confirmed, being released. WWE has not come out and denied said rumors, so that to me speaks a a whole bunch of volumes as far as I'm concerned. I'll just say it like this. Even the fact of talking about having Sasha Banks being released is a little mind-boggling. To me, if you look back and want to play you know, Monday Monday Night Quarterback is usually is what we do around here. I think Sasha might have a point. The whole reason that I believe they they being Sasha and Naomi left is the lack of a direction going with the women's tag team titles. I think it's compounded more by the fact that in non WWE, I'll show you fashion the women's tag team titles have basically been shelved and there's no real plans for being for them being to come back anytime soon. Usually Vince is like, well, you know what? Fuck it. You know, you, you're saying this, so I'm going to show you differently or some sort of, you know, defiant move to show us that, you know, we're wrong in some form or fashion. And that just hasn't happened. So a part of me tends to believe that it, if the rumor is to be true that, Naomi and Sasha had a problem with the creative direction with the women's tag team division. This only adds more credence to it. Thoughts on Sasha Banks? Well, uh, my first thought was if this were to be true and Sasha Banks were to be released from her contract in WWE, no matter how they would get around to doing it, that would be of all the shocking releases that we have seen over the past you know, a couple of years, Braun Strowman, uh, 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 Bray Wyatt, Cesaro, uh, you know, even Ember Moon was shocking to some extent. And, you know, these are all various levels of shock. Bray, Braun Strowman and Bray being the two where everybody was like, seriously, what the fuck? This would by far be, this outweighs both of them put together, if you ask me, because not only did she make money uh, selling merch, from what I've read, not only was she booked well, uh, not only for has the most she, part. For the most part, I mean, at, it's at, WWE. If you're not if you're not Roman Reigns or John Cena, that, you're going to have some gripes. No, that's just me being a Sasha Banks fan. But overall, she's booked better than most. Not only has she main evented a WrestleMania with Bianca Belair uh, two years ago on Saturday night, at least one of the nights, but she had crossover appeal i mean if they would have kept her on she has she's got the look she's got the charisma to be a crossover star she could definitely she's definitely somebody that you could see going on jimmy fallon she's definitely she she did uh the mandalorian or whatever 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't, I, I don't watch it, but I heard that she was on it. I mean, she is a legit star. She's not a wrestling star. She is a star. And if they let this thing get in their way so much that they release her, then they fucked up. WWE fucked up. Um, what, not, what if it's just irreconcilable differences? There, then WWE fucked up because it's their job to reconcile that shit and pay their talent, their talent that's made them a lot of money. It, it would just be bad business, and it would it would seem to me that you know we talk a lot about Vince maybe losing his fastball. It seems to me that he's just throwing Ephus pitches at this point. He. If he let this get so personal that he lost Sasha Banks, then maybe he should just hang him up. That's what I think. What are you looking at me like that for? Okay. I think it, You think I'm overblowing it? A, a little bit because I think you wow. got you, you got to look at it wow. from let's just play devil's advocate for 30 seconds. If you're Vince, you can't let the talent dictate terms. Okay, that's that's basically the, the worst case scenario you can ask for. Okay, granted you might not be able to do this tag team uh, women's division, which they they just don't have an interest in. There's no investment in. Okay, fair enough. I don't think it's that deep where it's a personal attack, even though Vince might take, you know, you walking out personally. It's not anything personal against Sasha. It's not anything personal against Vince. This is all business as far as I'm concerned, the way I'm looking at it. And the fact that there's there hasn't been – any real plan or there wasn't a plan moving forward that was the problem i don't think it's the fact that sasha's not getting paid sasha i would assume is getting paid fairly well naomi was is the one that is more out on the limb than anybody else contracts getting ready to expire she was you know trying to negotiate a new one and now she's in this limbo of you know what are we going to do with naomi kind of deal so I would like to think that it's not a personal thing against Vince. I think this is more business than anything else. On whose side? On Sasha's side? On Vince's side. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like you said, we're speculating. Like I always say, we're not journalists. I don't believe it. You don't You don't think there's any truth to this at all? Uh, you know, maybe there's some negotiations going by. Here's the thing with all these wrestling journalists and you know there's some that I respect you know I think that I've said it before Wade Keller's really good you know Meltzer has his ups and downs I know that Zach's kind of a devotee uh Sean Ross Sap is pretty good but it seems to me that a lot of these wrestling journalists and I do the scare quotes <laughs> on it a lot of these wrestling journalists you know if you're a real journalist <laughs> Real, I mean, if you're a real journalist and you get a rumor, like you go substantiate that rumor Agreed. before you go floating it out there. Even if you're fucking Adam Schefter, even if you're a, uh, Tim Kirchin, if you're a sports writer. If so-and-so is getting ready to get traded or they ask for a trade, you go, Adam Schefter would go to his sources and be like, hey, right. is this true or false? But these wrestling, these dirt sheet writers, it seems to me, that what most of them do is they believe anybody that leaks anything to them and they think they have these sources. And in today's day and age, because wrestling is such a unique thing and has such a unique place in our popular culture, 
And there is such a blurred line between reality and kayfabe that they just take all these rumors, whatever, whatever little scoop, whoever they got in there giving them the scoop, they just run with it. We've heard all sorts of scoops all the time about wrestling that never come true. And that's why, frankly, I'm a little reluctant to, um, you know, spend too much time on this. I think there's something to it. I, I honestly think that this might be more than where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm not a big fan of that analogy, but there's something to this. Okay, this isn't the second. This isn't the first time Vince and Sasha have gone down on the mat and had a little beef about something. Okay, right. mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince is like, you know what? We got Ronda Rousey, we got Charlotte Bailey. Look, just for the sake of argument, look at uh, what's coming up. What's the next pay per view for WWE that's coming up? Money, Money in, in the, the bank. bank. Okay, so you don't have Roman Reigns. He's going to wrestle Riddle on uh, Friday Night SmackDown, so you don't have the, the world title on there. Um, Bianca is, I'm assuming, going to re- – she's wrestling uh, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, that's official. Okay. Uh, Natty and Ronda is official. Yeah. You got the men, men's and women's money in the bank. Yeah. Ronda Rousey is going to be high up in, on this card in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to – they're going to have to put, put – more weight into Ronda Rousey. Look, I, look, I'm not a huge fan of this second run. I know this is an audio medium, but <laughs> I'm doing my Ronda Rousey marching down to the ring face. <laughs> so mad. It's actually pretty good. Uh, they're going to have to hit, hitch their wagon to Ronda Rousey more. When Bailey comes back, when Charlotte comes back, you know, more so, of, you know, emphasis on Becky and Bianca. They're going to just kind of move things around versus – you know, they fi- they don't think they're going to miss Sasha, but somewhere down the line, you're going to need a Sasha Banks to get a- somebody over or have a good match. Bailey is the probably the one that's going to miss Sasha the most because that's the that is the connection. The one of the best women's matches I've seen in WWE or NXT was say or Bailey versus Sasha in NXT Takeover. Yeah, and Sasha's a great wrestler too. Um- Ooh, I'm Ronda Rousey. Mr. Carruthers kicked me out of study hall. I'm wearing my leather jacket. It's my Ronda Rousey impression. It's really funny. I wish somebody else could see this. It's actually pretty fucking good. <laughs> what was the uh, What was the other What was the other news coming out of WWE? Well, then the, last night, as I'm taking my cigarette break at work, I look up on my Twitter and I see. Vince McMahon in some trouble, and I'm like, what the fuck is Vince doing? So, of course, he's treading on Twitter. I'm clicking on Twitter, and now I'm seeing the Wall Street Journal is coming out with an investigative report claiming that Vince has non-disclosure agreements with one woman in particular and possibly other women down the line. John Laurinaitis is apparently involved in this latest woman that is being, I guess, the center of the investigative report itself, where Vince, I guess, for lack of a better term, gave this woman to John Laurinaitis to have his way with her, which is just... (laughs) The sad part about it is I could actually see that happening, which is more scary than anything else, but neither here nor there. Um, There might be more to be dug up from this, um... There was an unsubstantiated rumor with Kevin Dunn and insider trading 
Deskman kind of retracted at this point. But let's talk about Vince and a possible, I guess, Deshaun Watson possibility on our hands. You know, you say he gave him to he gave her to Johnny Ace to have his way with. I mean, it wasn't like there was like a dungeon or anything. I mean, it wasn't like it, Man, look, it, it's WWE. You it never sounds know like there was like. a well. Yeah, I'm not taking anything off the table. Has anybody when the Me Too movement began? Hasn't everybody just been waiting for the shoe to drop on Vince? Come on. I mean, Vince, like... I'm sure that Vince has been down this road before when it comes to sexual misconduct, quote-unquote. No fucking doubt. You talk about where there's smoke, there's fire. He used to make out with Trish Stratus in front of Linda McMahon while she was catatonic in a wheelchair. I mean, kayfabe style. Kayfabe style. But I'm, I mean, this doesn't surprise me at all. I'm surprised it took this long. Of course, Vince is a piece of shit, fucking sexual abuser. Well, okay. Of course, he is. This is where I. Now, uh, this is where I'll say where there's smoke, there's fire, because this was reported by the Wall Street Journal. Right. Not by Ringside News, who, <laughs> who's, uh, you know, who's a guy who runs Ringside News, gets drunk and goes on an anti trans Twitter raid a couple weeks ago. Like, this, like, these are. Like, Ringside News is the shit that people go to for news about this shit. They're not news organizations. Now, the Wall Street Journal is a news organization, and this is a, was not really an expose, but this is, this is some hard-hitting reporting, and I'll say that there is credence to this. It's not surprising to me, and I don't want to hear people cry for Linda McMahon either. There's no way that Linda McMahon didn't know this was going on. There's no way that this hasn't been. Um, now, here's some real speculation. I don't think they're really in love anymore. <laughs> I don't think you're going out of much of a limb on that one. Here, now, I'm going to ask you a serious question. Though. Shoot. Okay. So, you got. I'm going to name you three power couples of very rich people, okay? Okay. You got Vince and Linda McMahon. Okay. You got Bill and Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. okay? And you got Donald and Melania Trump. Okay. Okay. Which of those three couples do you think has had sex most recently? Ugh. Fuck. <laughs> there you go. Um, if, I got to find out. I'm, I'm going with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton actually has some game. You think he's had sex with Hillary, though? She fucking hates him. They all hate the other guy. Yeah, they, I know. They all hate their husbands. I'm going to say Donald and Melania just because Ugh, I, think that they've got, I think that they've got, well, I still think it's been 10 years or so, <laughs> but like, I think that they've had sex since the other, uh, they've gotten married since the other two couples have had sex. I don't think Bill and Hillary have had sex since like, I don't know, but at least since Lewinsky, 99, 2000. Nah, man, Bill, Bill knows what he's doing, man. Shit, he, he's, he's a little charming individual. Uh, he's got a little game. Between the three of them motherfuckers, he's got the most game. Dude, he's... You know what? I shouldn't have brought this up. <laughs> shouldn't have brought this up. They're all pieces of shit, all six of them. <laughs> Fuck them all. I do not give a shit. Anyway, you know, uh, you know, rest in peace, Vince McMahon. Um, he's not dead yet. Do you have any other... He's also not going to give up the WWE. Do you think... Okay, that was well, that was going to be a, a question I wanted to bring up, is the fact that let's just say this does go down a, a criminal rabbit hole and they bring up charges on him. He goes to jail in some form or fashion. 
he can't be running the WWE legally. This would be more like, let's think like Sopranos or Goodfellas type shit. He'll be running it from the can, but Nick Khan is going to be the guy up front. Yeah, I mean, I think he will, he's not going to jail. People that rich don't go to jail. It just doesn't happen. Now, it might cost him a shit ton of money. I don't think I think that he will fight with everything he has to not give up the WWE just because he's that arrogant and you have to be that arrogant to become a billionaire the way that he's became a billionaire, which is by leaving a fucking trail of bodies in your wake. <laughs> And I'm not necessarily talking about dead bodies, but I'm not 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 necessarily talking about dead bodies though either. See Jimmy Snooker. Um, I guess this is where you know somebody that's better in legalese should be on the show to explain the the ramifications. Where with Vince having controlling interest at WWE, could he be voted out? In some form or fashion, I you, well we'd we'd have to have somebody with uh, intimate knowledge of their board of directors. You know, I guess I suppose there could be like some sort of hostile takeover, which I have a, you know a small understanding of. I've watched Succession and I watched Billions till it became terrible. And <laughs> I don't know. Like this is another thing that we're not experts on, and we're not journalists. It is kind of fun to speculate about what's going on, and it's certainly fun to clown on these people. And for all the people that are out there that are defending Vince, he does not need your defense. No. He does not give a fuck about you. Probably not. He, well, he, I, he I cares about your money. Maybe. I mean, he doesn't care. I, you don't have to defend Vince McMahon. You don't have – you can – if you're – like I said about the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing – if your reaction to any of this is anything but A, support for the victims, or B, L-O-frickin-L, then you need to take an inventory of yourself and find out where your priorities are because you could probably spend your energy elsewhere than defending Vince McMahon or defending Linda McMahon, too, who was in the cabinet for fucking Donald Trump. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? You don't have to feel bad for any of them. Stephanie, Triple H, you don't have to feel bad for any of them. Feel bad for the kids. Do you think Stephanie got out while the getting was good? No doubt. She just, she did just abruptly kind of just left. If there's, if there, if the Wall Street Journal is going to come out with something like this on Vince McMahon, who is a literal billionaire who has his tendrils go out a lot of different places. Powerful people have powerful friends, and powerful friends get to make decisions like this. This Wall Street Journal thing is probably a year in the making. And there's not a chance that nobody, that somebody that didn't know somebody that didn't know somebody else that was the fucking editor of the Wall Street Journal or something like that got in Stephanie's ear and said, listen, there's this, there's, it's coming down the pike. I, I don't know when, but time heads get, up. Time to get out. Avoid the shrapnel. And the, the, I wouldn't say the sad part about it is, once again, you have the non-disclosure agreement that is the basically the, the basis of this article, but there might be more behind you know, this. You know who else had a non-disclosure agreement? Stormy Daniels. <laughs> she fucking, like, th that shit, that shit matters 
a little bit, but it's not like it's not like not it's not like NDAs haven't been broken before in politics, in you know, whatever Hollywood. I don't know. I know I sound like an idiot when I talk about legal stuff, but I'm saying that I, you know feel bad for the victims. Number and, one. And number two, sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> I will be very interested to see where this Vince McMahon thing goes. More so than Sasha Banks. I think Sasha will be fine. What, No matter what what happens, if she stays with WWE, it's not like they can bury her. She's got way too much popularity. If she leaves, she could go to Hollywood. She can go to AEW, stardom, name places. Stardom is kind of weird to me, but she does have stardom ties. Uh, Vince McMahon is the one I want to see because – that's going to be money versus a government, and it's it's going to be a long, drug-out battle. Listen, it's a tale as old as time, at least in America, probably everywhere. But when you have an ambitious young person who becomes a powerful old person, they either die before they crumble or they just crumble at the end. Have you guys ever seen Citizen fucking Kane? <laughs> you guys ever heard of Harvey Weinstein? Do you guys know who Richard Milhouse Nixon is? This kind of shit happens. And to me, it's funny. And I think it's good because it is the universe paying back people that treat people like shit. Now, I love the product that Vince created in a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. And... Speaking of the product that Vince created, I think that that's enough of the... Well, we should talk about one more thing that's a bummer. Jeff Hardy got arrested. Sorry, I know this is your count. No, Jeff, okay. Jeff Hardy got uh, a, a, a DUI. Um, he blew a, two, a .29. Jesus. Said he had a couple fireballs. That double fireball shots. That shit's only 70 proof. I mean... No, he, no double fireball shots. .29 is high, bro. That's high. Good. Your, your boy was bagged up when uh, I saw the video. I didn't watch the video. It, oh, no. felt, it, felt, it felt cruel no, to me. I had to see it myself. I'm like, dude, it's the middle. It's, it feels like it's early morning. Oh, the, the sun was out? It was kind of like this, okay? So it was dusk or dawn? It was, and it felt like it was <laughs> horrible movie, by the way. But, God damn, Selma Hayek. Um it Pretty felt like it movie. was... Pretty fucking dope movie, actually. Yeah, I'm not big on vampires, but that's another story for another time. It felt like it was either early morning or late afternoon. Either way, it just felt like it was a little, I guess, too early for double fireball shots. I mean, damn, dog. You know, that went down a little bit. I guess my problem with this is everybody's now, like, pointing at Tony Kynes, like, you know... Oh, Tony, you know, you shouldn't have done this. How you going to employ Jeff Hardy? You should have known, blah, blah, blah. Vince deserves the same fucking, same problem with that, too. I, same the, argument. Vince has brought him back after the TNA nonsense. Totally. I, I, I said the exact same thing when Jim or Jay Uso, whichever one got, whichever one got the Jimmy. DUI last time. I call him Jim. But... Um, <laughs> I said the same thing to that hack writer for Deadspin who blocked me, uh, David Bixenspan or whatever. Talk about a fucking hack wrestling writer. He blocked me too because he, all of a sudden the onus becomes on uh, Tony Khan and Vince McMahon to not employ these grown men and to blame these older men or the ones with the money, the employers, to blame them for employing this grown man who can make them money 
for who have gone through fucking rehab or whatever, and it, the onus becomes on them to punish these grown men. Right. Sorry. They've been punished. Like, he's all over, they're all over TMZ. They're fucking embarrassed. It is not the job of the of the owners of these promotions to punish or to pre- preemptively punish or to not hire these guys because they get DUIs. I'm sorry. That's just not their job. It is taking the agency away from Jeff Hardy, who's a grown man, a grown man with problems, no doubt, obviously has big problems, big time addiction problems. And I'm sympathetic to that. It's not Tony Khan, Tony Khan's fault, though. Yeah. It's not Vince's fault. Yeah. You know, Matt Hardy knows his brother better than ever, anybody. Matt I Hardy, want to start with family if you if we want to point quote if unquote, you want to point, point fingers, fingers. But I'm sorry, the finger has to get pointed to Jeff Hardy first before anybody else. There just has to be some personal responsibility. Thank and, you. And you can't you can't blame. You just can't blame it. It's I I think that it's it's like I, I just it drives me crazy. Sorry, these guys are grown men. So I wouldn't expect my employer to not hire me because I got a DUI or because I get DUIs, and I wouldn't expect my employer to get blamed if I if they hired me and then I got another one. Right. It's not their fault. It's my, my fault. fault. I'm 42 years old. I can you make my own decision. Man. Exactly. So I just want to go back. Me to and Jeff Hardy almost the same age. <laughs> fucked up. I know. I don't, I don't like thinking about it. Um. Let's jump back to double or nothing for 30 seconds because the behavior of Jeff Hardy in that match is of question. Whether he was hurt or now, looking back on it, was he under the influence in some form or fashion? He wasn't necessarily a factor in, I would say, at least half of the match, the back half. And then after the match, he immediately jumps into the crowd and runs around and high-fives the crowd kind of allow his goodbye in WWE. Looking back on it, do you think there was a problem then? Yeah, I mean, I do. I I, I think there was probably a problem, problem, probably <laughs> problem, when he left the WWE on that house show. I mean, I know that they played it off as him just being like, you know what, I was just fucking sick of it, and I felt like leaving. In hindsight, listen, you want to take guys like that at their word when they say stuff like that. You want to believe that at least Matt Hardy would not give his brother the benefit, would be more concerned about his brother's health than trying to make money. And that's I'm not I'm not blaming Matt Hardy in any way either. I don't I don't know what the conversations are like between those two behind the scenes. I'll tell you what though, I would like to hear I would like to give the young bucks some sodium pentothal and have them tell us what happened during that match at double or nothing because you're right he was basically a non-factor he either looked hurt or tired or as a guy who's almost jeff hardy's age hung over right something wasn't right (laughs) something wasn't right and i know and you know if he gets busted at 10 a.m and he's got a point two nine and he was still drinking from the night before. You know, I know from experience, if you go to bed very early in the morning because you went to Pops the night before or something like that, and you wake up at 3 o'clock after going to bed at 9 a.m. or something like that, after drinking all night, you're not good for two or three days. And doing that as a 44-year-old, 
You ain't going to be good for a week. You said pops. God damn it. Oh, yeah. I, I regret to tell you I've spent many a morning walking oh. out of pops being oh. like, oh, shit, the sun is up. up. <laughs> Get me to my car now. What the fuck are you doing to me? All right. Who the that's, fuck what? Listen, to pops. we wish the best for Jeff Hardy. We wish the best for Sasha Banks. I side with the workers on this one. Uh, that might be my liberal politics coming into it, but I uh, I side with the workers, and I hope for the worst for Vincent Mann. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. Like, the guy's been a billionaire. He's been The world has been his fucking oyster for years and years and years, and he spent it pumping steroids into independent contractors. So, and fucking sexually assaulting people. So. I'm glad Owen Hart died. Anyway, uh... Vince, come on the podcast. Let's get to that two count. <laughs> Can you imagine if Vince came on this shit? I'd be like, what the fuck are we going to ask this? I'd be like, did you, were you really going to punch Bob Cosby? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the two count is going to be Dominion. So this is what we would have led with because it is uh, New Japan's second biggest pay-per-view of the year. And it's. We also did our picks last week, and I would like to read the points from the picks here. I'm sure you would. (laughs) It usually means he's done good. Spoiler alert. So your boy. (laughs) The Bill Vakey. So Juice Robinson dropped out of the triple threat. threat. Now, I picked Juice Robinson, as did Zach, as did you. Uh, But because... Juice Robinson wasn't in it. I picked Will Ospreay. Zach picked Will Ospreay. So I'm counting that as a perfect pick. I had perfect picks for Dominion except for Okada. Did not get one wrong. I got nine points. Your boy Two Beer picked Doc Gallows. Doc Gallows didn't win. Yano yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a fucking banger. I mean, well, come on, man. That's, don't, they, don't, that's don't, the way don't, they draw it up. No, don't, don't sit up here and lie to these people like that. Uh, Zach had seven. So I had nine. Zach had seven. <laughs> now, <laughs> Jason Cornelius Bell, the guy who watches more New Japan and claims it is, quote, his promotion, got five. It is my promotion. You got five. Okay, so what? I'm just saying. Okay, damn. We all picked Okada. I mean, what the fuck? I got nine. You got five. That's okay, I was not picking Yano. I mean, that that just is not going to happen. You got to pick with your pocketbook, not your heart. What's, where's the money? You don't remember this? You must have been really high. We bet $20 on it. <laughs> I was about to say, ain't enough weed for me in the world for me not to remember that you shit. You should be like, motherfucker, I bought you shots and cigarettes <laughs> on the way over here. <laughs> I was about to say, ain't no way I'll forget right, that shit. All right, so let's let's go through this. Now, listen, Jason, there is an NBA Finals game tonight. I know, so we, I know, we don't got to make this. Look, I, that's why I try to get it at 7 o'clock. Let's go. I know, and then I... We talked too long about the one count. Uh, so the United Empire, Akira, TJP, and Hanari defeat Master Wado, Taguchi, and Tenzan. Any thoughts on this? Uh, it's basically a build to, uh, I believe it's either the 20, 20th or the 21st, where TJP and Francisco Akira go for the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles, keeping them hot. No big deal. Uh, 
I'm just hoping long term we see either Akira or TJP stay with the promotion. Probably more so Akira. He's young enough to where he can stay where TJP can float around. I'm calling an audible on the way I was going to do this. I was going to do this from the bottom of the card to the top of the card, but that's stupid. Let's start at the top of the card because we have a new IWGP champion, which is actually the big news. As much as I like TJP and Akira, yeah. the big news is, is that Jay White is the fifth IWGP champion in the new lineage. He defeats Okada at approximately 37 minutes, I would say. What did you think about the match? Um, I would be lying, and the fact that I'm going to use the word shocked, uh, considering the fact that I was one of the ones that was saying, you know, hey, you know, Jay White has a chance. Hey, Jay White has a chance. And then when he finally won the match, I was like, oh, shit. And that was my first response at like four in the morning on Sunday. I was like, oh, shit, he fucking won. And the, the reality kind of set in where, and this is, you know, unbeknownst to me at the time where Okada might have a baby on the way. It's coming soon. I'm just assuming, like we said last week, we're going to pencil Okada into the Forbidden Door, uh, one of the big main events, and do it that way because it's Okada. How you going to have a cross-promotional um, card without arguably your main talent, your best talent? If you consider Baby on the way as a possibility, okay, fair enough. I have no problem with Jay White winning the title. Truth be told, when I was thinking about it after the fact, this Okada run hasn't been very great. It's been good kind of bogged down by Naito in some form or fashion whether it was two title matches or three matches total it felt like more about Naito than anything else I don't have a problem with Jay White winning because it feels like there's more options with Jay White as champion Okada being back in chase mode the match itself I thought was really really good it was a classic Jay White Okada or yeah Jay White Okada match but like I said, I would be lying if I said I was not like, oh, shit, what the fuck just happened kind of Matt. Jay White is the one. It seemed like it was leading towards a Jay White title reign when the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic separated him from Japan for a while. Nobody's fault. Jay White, you could tell that NJPW loves Jay White, thinks very highly of him. He is a tremendous heel. An absolutely great heel. The, the promo in the ring after the match and then backstage, scorched earth. Scorched Good earth. Lord. Also, he is one of those guys, a lot like my boy Kevin Owen, Kevin Owens. He's one of those guys that if you can hear him chatting during the match, it really enhances the match. And it might help it might help that they're clap crowds in Japan when it's a Jay White match because you can hear everything that motherfucker says. Now, it might not be very good for Japanese watchers because they don't speak English, but guess what? I do, and I like it a lot, and I like how much he cusses, too. He does not give a fuck, dude. No, no fucks given. Um, one of the big things I will take away from the main event um, is that the crowd did get audible at the end where he was just like, he, Jay White was not going to accept clapping as the form of acceptance. He wanted to he hear noise. Yeah, he saying, and then something. finally the crowd started to, you know, audibly chant or whatever the case may be. 
It's like, I told you I love you. Say right. something. Yeah, you're my family. You know, yeah. right then I was just like, man, this motherfucker's going for promo Fucking year. say something. Sit, sit Fucking say, say something. something. It was awesome. so good. That and then when he basically broke down why you should be thanking him for AEW, I was like, wow, this motherfucker connected all the fucking dots. Tremendous. I mean, Kenny Omega, you know, the Bucks, Hangman Page. Next level stuff. Adam Cole, baby. I was like, by the end, it's like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, you know, barely awake and I'm just like, dude, that was so fucking good. And I finally went to sleep. I was like, the whole thing with Jay White, and I, and I was thinking about this on the way over here, is that when he was over in the United States, you know, some fans were running him down. Why is he on Impact? Why is he on Strong? Why is he, you know, now just going to AEW? Now that he's champion, all these promotions are in play. He lost to Chris Saban a while back. You don't think we're going to get a Chris Saban Jay White title match? We at least we should because he has a. a right to have that match. I want to see him get a run. Okay, and I think a part of this might be New Japan and or AEW, Impact, whatever the case may be. The fact that he was over here having these matches with the Forbidden Door coming, you know, right behind it, I think it's getting ready to open up the back end of 2022 where you're going to have a lot lot more interpromotional matches, and I think Jay White should get a little credit for that. I totally agree with that. I'm excited to see. We'll get to the AEW stuff later. I was about to say, we don't even know what the match is. He's like, fuck both of you motherfuckers. I'm out. He did. And I, I you, record this, okay? We're about, I don't know, 30 minutes into this podcast. I do not want to see a triple threat match at Forbidden Door between him, Cole, and Adam Page. That is... That is not what I want to see. I get that, but if Okada can't come over, that's probably your next best option. And now, and at least makes sense. The dots connect. And the thing that I read about Okada, that's not just him having a kid. It's about him having a kid. Japan locks down Japan a lot of times during the COVID. If it if it flares up, Japan will lock down. Will lock down the borders, and might not let Okada back, back in. in. So that he, I, I, I read that he's worried about. Coming to America and then not being able to go back. back. Shit, stay home. That that's an easy decision. Stay home. And it just saves a big Okada match later on with a with in AEW, which Okada fucking rules. Um, the the match right before that was Sonata, who I called the the nap. <laughs> Dude, last stop. week. That's horrible. I know. I, I felt bad. I, I, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you ain't shit. No, you didn't. <laughs> Don't sit up here lying to these people. You did not feel bad. He had a great match with Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay has great matches, though. It's hard for it's It's getting to the point where I don't remember a bad rule. We've seen match. Sonata have some stinkers. Sonata looked great in this match. Will Ospreay looked great in this match. This was a fun match. The right guy went over. Right guy goes over, and just for the simple fact that it continues the Will Ospreay storyline of New Japan screws Will Ospreay. In the New Japan Cup, did he tap out? And the Windy City Riot, he wasn't pinned. Now, you know, I'm skipping uh, wherever it was uh, when Juice Robinson pinned him for the uh, IWGP U.S. title. He's saying that he wasn't pinned. Now he wins the title, and there's no belt. So, I mean, every time Will Ospreay looks up from his point of view, New Japan, 
IWGP is screwing him over, and this is just the latest of him getting fucked. He wins the he wins, and he's sitting on the on the apron. He's just kind of like, uh, you know, this is usually where I would get the belt, and there's no belt because Juice has the belt. I love this Will Ospreay angle. He's tremendous. Like I said, this is another good match. Will Ospreay, another great heel who goes over also at Dominion. I liked it when Kevin Kelly was interviewing him after, and at the end, Kevin Kelly says, you deserve this, and he said in Han Solo fashion, I know. <laughs> uh, the match <laughs> the match right before that one was another match that exceeded my expectations quite a bit. Now, I, I don't remember if I said this last week, but I think maybe I did. Carl Anderson... When he wants to turn it on, can turn it on. And he turned it on in this match versus Tabatanga for the Never Open Weight Championship. He beat it, He defeated him in 16 minutes and 33 seconds. First of all, Tabatanga looks great as a singles wrestler. Yeah. He's fucking sure. awesome. I thought that this match, this was my second favorite match on the card. Really? Next to the main event. Yes. Uh, what did you think about this? I'm a little surprised that Tabatanga didn't at least get the the first title defense especially when you had Carl Anderson in the way you I mean it's I shouldn't say obvious storylines but core four for the Bullet Club you know Carl Anderson gifted the stun gun to Tomatonga so then it just felt like it was a nice time for not even a nice time the right time for Tomatonga to go over Gato likes Carl Anderson I don't have a problem with that. I don't. I didn't see the Carl Anderson run where he, you know, was in the G1 final against Okada. So ten years ago. Okay. So the, I mean, clearly there is a precedence for him being a singles guy. The fact that I didn't see it and I want Tomatonga to go over and have a nice singles run kind of made me a little upset just on the the fan perspective. The match was I thought was really good up until the end where they were kind of trying to trade stun guns. I didn't necessarily like that, but I was just going to say the ending sequence where they were each trying to get the guns done on each other and they couldn't do it. I loved that sequence. Really? Yeah, okay. I was I was into it. I was into it. I could see where it may, might have seemed a little gimmicky. It just felt it just felt like they were if they saved that more towards the end and not teased it up until that point. Maybe I can give you that. That was the story of the match, though. Yeah, who, for sure. who could get, the, get guns? the guns done on the other? Let me ask you this. So we just went through the top three matches. All three winners were heels. All three winners, Gaijin. Do you think that that has, do you think that that, the decision to put those three non-Japanese wrestlers, those three white wrestlers, over going into Forbidden Door, do you think that played into it, that they want to, to, to play to an American audience, they want to have these three white guys walk in as their their top three singles champions? I mean, I didn't think about it until right now when I was looking at it, but I'm right. like, ah, those are three right. heels and those are three right. white guys. Um, Jay White, I think it's either or. Okada could be champion, and I think you could have. And that had extenuating circumstances. But I don't think you lose anything with Jay White coming over and being the IWGP champion and, and facing whomever. Um you so, lose Okada. It's not who uh, is look, cool. I look, mean, he's just he's just the coolest motherfucker out there. Okay, like I said, arguably the best on the planet. I get that, but if I had to lose Okada, Jay White is not a bad replacement. No doubt. Okay, 
with Sonata and Will Ospreay, to me, this is pretty easy, okay? As much as I love Sonata, I don't think you can bring him over to Forbidden Door and have, as the rumor is, well, it's not even a rumor, it's a confirmed match, have him and um, Orange Cassidy wrestle for the uh, the U.S. title and have that be a, I got thoughts about that. a good match. I think the better match is probably Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. If it stands, we don't know that just yet. Carl uh, Anderson. He is known to American, American audiences. Yeah, he's part of the Good Brothers Impact, the whole nine yards. There's no guarantee that he does a singles, uh, never open weight championship match at Forbidden Door, but I expect him to be there. It To me, it's more so about Will Ospreay mostly, Jay White second, Carl Anderson third. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that there. it probably is something that you just threw out there. Sh- something to it. Shingo Takagi defeats Taichi for the <laughs> KOPW championship in using the same stipulation that they used a, a couple months ago where it's a timed match with the amount of referee counts. It's We've talked. We talked about this when it happened. It's kind of hard to explain. No, actually, I think I can explain it. Uh, at least it it's, made it's, sense it, to it's me. It's interesting. It made sense to me in this scenario. It's not that. It's it's, it's like it's like a stardom high speed match. You had ten minutes, and basically the most pinfalls, or not even pinfalls, but the most pin counts. So to won ex- the match. explain the to to explain this New Japan match. A match, uh, a promotion that probably a lot of our listeners don't listen to very often. You decide to explain it using a stardom analogy, which is a promotion that even less of our listeners listen to. Well, our watch. Hey, look, I said the way it explain, the way I can explain it best to me All is right. the way that's the way I took it. I think the best way for me to explain it is that if somebody hits their finisher and ho- in the middle of the match and pins their guy, they pin their guy not just for three. They pin him as long as they can to get – you can get five or six counts out yeah, of one. Yeah, for sure. The, and it, the and victory here up. was just 11 to nine, I think. 11-10. 11-10. You know, it was, it's, a, it's a fun idea for a match. I don't necessarily want to see Tai Chi and Shingo have this match. I would rather see a couple young Lions have this match or maybe like Hanari versus uh, – Honestly – this is what I thought about. I don't want to see Shingo have this match, basically. This is what I thought and about. And I love Taichi. And I, I like both, too. This is where the Intercontinental Championship is missed. Mm. Okay, this is where the I wasn't sure if I was really on board with the unification of the titles. I was okay with it. Now I'm not. This is where you're missing, especially if you don't have the U.S. title over here in play. The Neverweight title is... Is always dicey, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Tama just coughed it up. This is where I think you finally, at least for me personally as a New Japan fan, this is where I missed the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, we had Tanahashi versus Goto to qualify for the AEW interim title match at Forbidden Door against John Moxley. The outcome of this was never in question. All three of your friends here on the Band from Ringside podcast, everybody picked Tanahashi. I'll admit, I knew who won this before I watched Dominion today. I knew who won everything. I I tried not to, and then it's almost impossible. It's yeah. I looked at Friends of BFR, and like even last night when I was talking to Steve, because Steve was at Dynamite, 
he texted me something from there. I was like, I'm not watching it right now. I have to watch it tomorrow. He's like, well, I'll stop posting on Friends of BFR. And I was like, no, dude. I was like, post away. I was like, it, For sure. yeah, I'm going to watch it anyway. And, yes, it's more fun to be surprised. But it's also not something that I have not conditioned my life to be able to avoid shit like this. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it just doesn't happen. So, please, post away. And But I didn't even watch this match. I know you did. No, I was going to say, I don't think there, it was a must-see kind of a match. It was basically what we thought it was going to be. Goto with a good performance. Tanahashi wins with a high-fly flow. Um, if it went more than, like, 15 minutes, I'd have been surprised. The whole card kind of went kind of quick, considering the uh, the lateness of the hour. But, once again, it's it would have been impossible for having Hiroti Goto to come over and face John Moxley. That's not what people want to see. We want to see Tanahashi versus Moxley. It's been a three-year build. Let's get it on and let's see who wins the AEW Interim Championship. Uh, we also have new titles that were... Well, well, new champions. New champions, I should say. Heel on heel. So, But this is another heel win. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Connor, or as I like to call them, Con on the cob. Uh, they defeat Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale. Like I said, I did not make that up. I do not want to take. I don't want anybody to yell at me for taking credit for something that's not mine. That's something that I saw. I think that's really <laughs> good. Very good. Really good. Uh, they defeat Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale to become the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champs at ten minutes and fifty four seconds. About the about the match that you wanted to be, Chase Owens is a good worker. Bad, bad Luck Fallet is not. Uh, Great O'Conn's pretty cool. Jeff Cobb is the he's the diamond in this match. Jeff Jeff Cobb fucking rules. What do you think about this? Um, I think it was the the makeup for the Bullet Club story in Fidoka where Bullet Club basically ran the ruse. Jay wrote, yeah, Jay White comes back and attacks Okada to set up the Dominion match. I think this is just a scenario where they gave. In a, in a three, a triple threat match, it was easy to take the, uh, the titles off the champions when the champions didn't get pinned. So now you can bring them back and then now have them be champions going in the forbidden door. It is what it is. I wouldn't have done it this way, but the, the right team are now champions again going into the forbidden door segment. House of Torture, Evil, Takahashi, and Show defeats, defeats Sabre Jr., Desperado, and Kanemaru. Sabre Jr., I think, just deserves a. Uh, a bigger slot on this card, but he was kind of buried in this match in which the House of Torture won. This is also something that you, me, and Zach all picked. Any thoughts on this? To me, the thoughts were backstage. Uh, ZSJ cutting a backstage promo calling out Brian Danielson for Forbidden Door. I don't even give a fuck about the match. The match itself is, is what it is. House of Torture is either you like him or you don't. To me, the backstage uh, promo was the story where he calls out Brian Danielson for Forbidden Door. I put on Friends of BFR. This is the match that I need at Forbidden Door. This is the only one I need. You can match up other people against other people, and Forbidden Door is a pay-per-view that I am very much looking forward to. It's very much... Shout out to High Five Time. It's very much made for for me and for you and for Zach and for High Five Tom and for, you know, the rest of us dorks. This is the match that I need, though. Sabre Jr. versus Danielson is the match that I am looking forward to the most. Please, God, give them at least 15 minutes. I think they get 15 minutes for sure. Please, um, God. Well, 
you can't have two we'll get, technical wrestlers in a match in less than fifteen minutes. We'll get, I think we'll get into this in the AEW portion of the show, but I do the build for Forbidden Door is scaring me a little bit about the Forbidden Door pay per view. Um, Bullet Club, Ishimori, El Fantasma, and Ace Austin defeated Lij, Naito, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi. Lots of fucking talent in this fucking match that only lasted eight minutes and four seconds. Bushi eats the pin, no surprise. Uh, I think this is kind of more re, not even reintroducing, but introducing Ace Austin as part of Bullet Club. It sets up ELP for the G1 announcement for him being in the G1 as a junior. That's something to, uh, to discuss at a later point. Um, it is what it is. It, is, it was, the, what, the second match of the card? Fuck, I forgot we had to talk about G1 announcements. Go ahead. Um, not a huge deal. It was, A, good to see Naito back and wrestling. B, Takahashi and Ishimori as a preview match for the uh, IWGP junior heavyweight title. And then third, like I said, for me, it was more about setting up Forbidden Door, other things down the line. It, it wasn't even a big deal as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, to me, just seeing my boy back is the number one thing I took away from that. Overall thoughts about Dominion? Um, I hate to use the word breezy with when it comes to a four-hour show, but it was fairly breezy. Early matches were quick. The matches that needed to get time got their time. Jay White was, like I said, I hate to use the word surprise, but I was surprised. I would be lying if I said I wasn't surprised. And moving forward, I'm looking forward to G1 and Forbidden Door, not necessarily in that order. Yeah, it was a great pay-per-view, completely worth your time, completely. I I loved watching it. I'm so happy when there's New Japan stuff that matters because New Japan stuff that matters is pretty much the best stuff that there is, except for maybe AEW pay-per-views. And that's going to do it for our, not just kidding, Cold bloody. We didn't talk about Yana versus Doc Gallows, you motherfucker. I was fucking playing tricks with you. I was hoping we was going to get past No, that. we're not going to skip it. <laughs> Yano defeats Luke Gallows in four minutes and ten seconds. He lo- With a low blow, he pulls the ref over, gets the pin, runs up the ramp. What a victory. Gallows was pissed. Jason, what do you think about this? Would you give it 4.75? <laughs> yeah, five I- stars or more than five stars? Which, how long did you say the match was? Four minutes and ten seconds. It, it, I give it less stars than that. <laughs> you motherfucker. Get the fuck out the of entrance, here. Uh, Yano's entrance took longer than four Jesus minutes and ten Christ, seconds. I'm like, dude, come on. We get it. We get it. Okay? He's won everything under KOPW Sun. They, they took the it. belt off of him. Give him some time. It was fun. What Dear do you please. think? <laughs> I mean, I, it's finally time that they gave, uh, you know, a Japanese-speaking wrestler a win over a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I watched it. I had fun. No, I, it's, it, it is I what it is. I had fun. It is what it is. I have, now, I have what no do you think illusions. about Doc Gallows uh, losing to Yano and then Carl Anderson? <laughs> Carl Anderson uh, beating, what's his name for the? Tomatonga. for the Never Openweight Championship. It shows who they think is the real star. I wouldn't even go that far. Like I said, I don't, I didn't watch. You know, when Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson were coming up and, you know, you had uh, Prince Devin as the leader of the, the Bullet Club. I didn't watch that. So I think there is maybe a 
limited ceiling when it comes to Doc Gallows. Maybe the Neverweight Open Championship is his ceiling. They're, they're for the, uh, the tag team championships, and that's fine. I'm just waiting my time for that because they want to come. They wanted to come over and have another IWGP tag team title run. You can do that with, you know, both them over to Impact, ROH. There's plenty of things to do. You thought we were getting out of here without talking about Yana. God, I was hoping. Nope. That ain't the way it works. <laughs> you know, you never know how hot it is out here. I almost forgot how hot it was out here until I just went inside to take a piss and then right. grab a beer and I came back. I was like, holy fucking shit. It is so fucking it's probably, a fan blowing on us. You know, when it was cold out here. I was just getting ready to bring that up. <laughs> And I was like, ah, this is fine for me. I'm from a cold weather people. I was like, your people are from Africa. I was like, you'll like it when it's hot. Is this okay with you? Dude, this is easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You're wearing pants and shoes, dude. I got no shirt on. I got no underwear on. I got no shoes glistening. on. <laughs> you look radiant. Let's get, let's get to that three count. One, two, three. Ebony. And ivory. Uh, so the three count is AEW Dynamite was in St. Louis last night. Uh, neither of your humble correspondents were able to make it. Jason had to work. I was home with the kid. I didn't watch it. Friends of the show were there. You know, yes, good shit. I uh, say I thought St. Louis did uh, really well for uh, it was a our great first crowd. show. Yeah, I thought it was hot when it needed to be. I thought. Steve was there. Mark O was there. Nice. Uh, Patriot Pat was there, I was believe. He? Or he was watching it. I mean, he okay. saw stuff. Uh, either way, it was a great crowd. We represented ourselves well. I, I thought am the, the house proud looked full. Yeah, the, of the gateway to the West, or as I called it at the beginning, Murder City. You guys might not know that that is an actual the capital of the world. That, Thank you very much. That, I, but it's it's been, I, I read the history of it. It's been Murder City. Like that's been a nickname since like the late eighteen hundreds or something. Mm. Yeah, it's not Murder City because of what goes on here now, which is lots and lots of murders. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we've all it's it's probably the fucking heat you to know, be honest. Yeah, right. That plus the fact it was just you know kind of trying to be smart Alec for thirty seconds. It was so far to the west. You had to kind of, if you wanted to venture over into the West to go get gold or whatever, you had to come through St. Louis in some form or fashion. So, I mean, I was, I'm sure there was some a fair share of dirt being done in the 1800s when you're saying it was Murder City. That's true. That's true. It's also uh, the gateway to the West. I mean, we have the arch. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Kick it off, Nate. It was a fun show. It started off with a fun match. That was Y2J, Chris Jericho versus Ortiz in a hair versus hair match. Now, listen, I love hair versus hair matches. Chris Jericho goes over with some shenanigans. Ortiz, not seeming to care about his hair getting cut off, kind of ruins the stipulation, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Jericho's wins. There was a great near fall where uh, Kingston came in and hit that. The, the spinning back fist. The spinning back fist. And the crowd really ate it up. And it was the curtain jerker, and the crowd fucking loved it. And Jericho kicked out of it. Then we have a guy in a Fuego del Sol mask come out and hit Ortiz. Jericho gets the pin. Fuego del Sol rips off his mask. Turns out it's not Fuego del Sol. It is Sammy Guevara, who is back in the Jericho Appreciation Society, back with Chris Jericho. What do you think about it? Uh, this is where I w wish Zach was here so, so I could rub some of my uh, 
I told you so in his face. Um, ultimately, no, no, no. Pretend he's here. Number one. Talk to me like I'm him. Number one, is it a surprise that Jericho won? Not at all. If you stop and think about it just on the AEW aspect of things, you have the first world champion versus Ortiz in a hair versus hair match. Who do you think is going to win? Okay. I like Ortiz. I like Santana. There's no way either or is going to win a hair versus hair match over the first world champion in AEW. Now, from that point. Even more than that, there was no way I could ever see Jericho cut his hair. Okay. Shaving his head. Thank you. That's one look he's never had, though. I'm just, uh, right. I'm just it going is one on, look he's never had. <laughs> right. I'm just going on kayfabe alone. This is where when you made the match and I kind of poo-pooed it last week and Zach was like, well, you, you know, I, I like this. I like this. To me, you knew where this was going to go. And it's more reinforcement of what I've said before about Santana Ortiz. I'm not going to bog down on that. I thought the match itself was good. The spinning fat back fist to me was like cool, but I know this is not the end. Oh, uh, it, 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 it popped. It popped me. the crowd. It popped me. I thought it was over. No. I was just like, okay, come on, Jericho. One, two, kick out it before three. Well, you're pretty savvy. Savvy enough to get that. five points on the Dominion I prediction. <laughs> this is AEW. Listen, talking about, talking about our good friend Zach Pullman, two beers, Zach Pullman, who has been on this podcast for a long time. God here for, before I got here. God forbid he passes before I do. But if he does, I'm going to make sure it says on his gravestone, I liked his stuff. <laughs> the dude just likes stuff. That's a good. That's a good characteristic to have. Zach he is like very. He, he, he likes stuff, and he's positive about stuff. And he was positive about this match. I wasn't. It was a good match, though. The crowd helped immensely. Basically, for the fact that, for me, it was a predictable finish. The crowd was invested into it. They were, and ultimately, it that has more to do with them. God bless them for it. I love the fact that they're investing into it versus me being cynical about it and be like, okay, let's just get to the finish so we can move on. I didn't know when Fuego del Sol, quote unquote, came in and hit Ortiz with the bat, I'm like, okay, that makes no sense. Did you did you notice cause the synopsis that I read after I had seen it, because it didn't even strike me that that's not Fuego del Sol. I was like, well, that's fucking weird. But, I mean, this is a guy that they signed, and maybe they want to give a little rub that's to. That's what I was thinking, too. And it I was like, but it was like, this does, still doesn't make sense. I, I like, read the Ugh. synopsis by this um, ProWrestling.net every week after I watch it just to see, because he watches it a lot more closely than I do. He said, you could tell by the body type it wasn't Fuego del Sol. It's like, well, I would never, I would have never been able to tell that. In hindsight... He's probably right, but I was so caught up in why is Foy. I was thinking about the why versus the who. Right. Okay. Which makes it good wrestling. No, it was. And then when he when he unmasked it with Sammy Guevara, I'm like, okay, well, then this makes sense because now Sammy can't go after the TNT title, not ready for the world title. He's in that weird limbo of what do you do with Sammy and Ty Conte. This makes perfect sense. He's a heel. He has ties with Chris Jericho. Jericho appreciates society. I just think that uh, this is my only problem with it. Like, it makes sense. Well, it makes sense for a couple reasons. Because if if the Jericho Appreciation Society is not working as well as 
maybe they think it should be because it's Jericho with a bunch of people that are less cool than the inner circle, then you got to bring Sammy Guevara back in because the guys that I don't like, 2.0, it's like they're not really moving the needle for Jericho, are they? Sammy Guevara moves the needle a little bit. The thing, that, bit. the thing that bothers me a little bit, it doesn't bother me, it's just kind of disappointing, is that I think that Sammy Guevara could be a huge baby face, but he got too horny. He got super horny with Ty Conti. He had to fucking post some weird-ass fucking Instagram shit where he's like, I don't even think that was, I don't think he was doing that for heat or anything. I think he was, I think he's young. I think he's got a hot girlfriend or wife. I don't know. Are they married? Gays. He's got a hot girlfriend and people turned on him because, hey, man, just keep your hot girlfriend to yourself, man. I don't want to see that shit. And now he's got to be a heel again. I think that he be he'll be I think that he will be a huge baby face sometime. It just sucks to see him back in the same place that he was for the first two and a half years of AEW. What do you always tell me about and I will give you credit for this because this is your theory and I love this. And I think it's I don't know what you're gonna say, but I love getting credit. So much credit it makes so much sense. You can't be a great great baby face until you have a great heel run. Yes. Sammy Guevara has not had his great heel run yet. Yeah, well, I mean, the inner circle had a great heel run. Sammy Guevara didn't. Sammy Guevara was a was the number two in inner circle. You're missing my point. Sammy Guevara didn't have that heel run. Chris Jericho was the, the spearhead of it. Sammy okay. Guevara was his, you know, number two guy or whatever. Right. Let's just say for shits and giggles. If Sammy Guevara took over the inner circle or takes over the JAS, now he's the number one guy. Now if he can take that group, whether it would be the JAS in this scenario or, you know, my pretend scenario, the inner circle, if he took that to the next level, now I would be more apt to give him credit versus Jericho. Fair enough. Let me ask you this. Does Chris Jericho need to take a break? The only reason I'm going to say no is, well, you guys. When's, la- when's the last time he took more than two weeks off of television? For it was probably AEW. because it, uh, it was right around when he got hurt with the elbow and he they were going to do like a tour. It was right around when Fozzie was going to take a tour and it was like they wrote him off on storyline purposes. Was it more than two weeks? It, it was like probably a couple months. It felt like. He, you all, you, you, we see Jericho a lot now, and that's probably why we can't remember. He's just never, he's never not been an integral part of Dynamite. And it's kind of like, hey, dude, you can let go for a little while. Like, the, the, place will, the place can run without you, you know. I'm not saying he's replaceable. I'm saying that he doesn't need to suck up so much oxygen on every single Dynamite. I'll I know say, he's a huge star. I'll say this, and we can move on if you want to. Thank you. Um, we'll move on when I say we move I know, on. I know. We'll, we, can move, we can move on after this. JAS, whether you like him or not, I think they're the top heel faction in AEW just for the fact they get their time, their storylines are flushed out, so on and so forth. You might have bigger names with the Undisputed Elite, Red Dragon, yada, yada, yada. I think that's a part of the reason why you see so much of Jericho is because right now, when you don't have Kenny Omega, you don't have Adam Cole, baby, healthy, ready to wrestle, 
Well, you missed you missed the biggest heel on AEW who's been missing for a couple weeks, which is MJF. MJF. Yeah. Now we're gonna talk about him because I was this stole my thunder. Go ahead. The next segment was Wardlow fights the plaintiffs. That made me think that the plaintiffs would be a good name for a tag team, but <laughs> that's not who they were talking about. Wardlow fights 20 guys who are under the, I don't know, under the their legal counsel is Smart Mark Sterling. Class action suit. Wardlow destroys them all, beats 20 guys in a row. Then they bring out Matt Hughes and Tyrone Woodley, who are, I guess, they're both from the area? Tyron is. Matt Hughes is, like, from Granite City. Tyron. Uh, I apologize. Mr. Woodley is from St. Louis. No, I'm, I'm asking. Is it Tyron or Tyrone? Tyron. Oh. Tyron Woodley, I think. I believe is how it, uh, it's pronounced. Uh, Matt he's Hughes from is from Granite City? I believe he's from Granite no City. No wonder Steve loves him so much. <laughs> uh, so, that's for no, you, but, Steve. Hey, I, can't so, wait to get, I can't wait to get a text exactly and, and, when Steve, Steve listens to this part. Steve Patterson's defense, Matt Hughes is a bad motherfucker. He was. I guess he got in a train accident. He did not yeah. look steady, and that sucks. Like, why'd they yeah. do that to him? This was a bad segment. This is a bad segment Agreed. for a couple reasons. And, what, and it's not Matt Hughes' fault. It's not Tyron Woodley's fault. Nope. This is a bad segment because they are going back to the well on Wardlow instead of moving him forward into something new. Now, Dan Lambert came around, and Scorpio Sky came around, and they were talking a bunch of shit. This was a poorly... This the worst segment of the week. Mm. First of all, worst, wait, 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 stop. Worst segment of the wrestling week or worst segment of AEW? Well, it's hard to say. I didn't watch all of Raw. I only watched the important parts of Raw, which was none of Raw. Um, <laughs> I mean, I did watch a couple parts of Raw, I guess. But... Um, no, I, I think I just I think I only watched the very first segment of Raw. Yeah, no, I watched the Seth Rollins sit down. It was a ter- it was the worst worst segment. Fine, worst segment. It was the worst segment that I watched. How about that? Okay, fair enough. Because Warlow has got to get in some kind of. He can't just go around beating guys' asses anymore. You have to get in a feud now. You defeated your big bad. You defeated the the. The, the guy at the end of the level. That was MJF. Now you have to go on to the next thing. You can't just go around beating up jobbers, even if it's 20, because there's, the crowd was dead for this. And I don't... Well, they should have been. I, I totally agree, and I don't think that's Wardlow's fault. No. And I don't think it's because they were so hyped for the first match either, because crowds can, crowds can go... Good crowds can go for an hour, and then they need a popcorn match, you know? Right. for sure. But the first 40 minutes of a hot Dynamite or hot Raw or hot pay-per-view, the crowd shouldn't be dead like that. And they're dead like that because it was a Nobody poorly— it, it was anachronistic. It shouldn't have happened. It, should, it could have happened four weeks ago. Five weeks ago, mm-hmm. they could have done this on the build to MJF. This seems very anticlimactic. Yeah, it's like we know what's going to happen. We don't want to see Wardlow beat up a bunch of jobbers anymore. We right. want to see Wardlow fight Scorpio Sky. We want to see him fight whomever. S- whomever. There's it's a, not twenty there's guys. There's so we don't many know. people on the roster that he could right. fight, but this 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 fell short. I think it's 
to me, the two biggest problems is, number one, MJF not being around where you still, even if, you know, they're going to move away from MJF and Borgo or not, the fact that his, his specter, his shadow isn't there kind of took away at least, you know, some of it where, you know, we don't know where he's going and the TNT title doesn't feel like it's big enough for him at this point. He defeated MJF. So at this point, it's kind of like you said. It's like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter or whatever. You level up. So he should be leveling up towards the world title. My second point is where the rankings come in, and that's where I think part of the problem is he's rank- he was ranked number one after Double or Nothing, and then CM Punk gets hurt. You have to replace CM Punk, and then you have to figure out who's going to be the AEW representative. Moxley makes a ton of sense. I get it. But if you got Wardlow as the number one ranked guy, it's going to be kind of hard to explain to the AEW fan base how you're going to put the number one guy aside and did, move Moxley up. Did this count as 20 wins for him? They said he was the number two ranked guy. I'll tell you what. I, I, I can give two Sh- Shivani and Ross and Excalibur were doing their damnedest to put this segment over. This you, segment was a dud. You can't because you you literally watched him vanquish his greatest opponent up to date right. in MJF. Now and now you're going to come back no, with that? Come right. On. Now you have to put him in peril again. Right. You have He's to make, a babyface monster. You have to put him in peril. Maybe they have those 20 guys beat him. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the booker. Look, you could book better than this, number one. Number two, Thank if you. you get Scorpio Sky and Wardlow, you would expect Wardlow to win. He just beat 20 guys, whether they're jobbers or not. He beat 20 guys. Yes. You can't have Scorpio Sky. Yeah, all he was this, sacking six dudes on, on top, top of, of each, each other. other. Come on, man. <laughs> and, now, and now all of a sudden, Scorpio Sky is going to come up and beat Wardlow, man. Now. It's, it's just, it was poorly done. The MJF is sorely missed, at least in this scenario. Even if you thought you were going to move away from MJF, he could be pulling shit from behind the strings or whatever. Or behind you know the what? I, I, it, like, this MJF shit is a, it's, it's a work. Everybody knows it now. They've pulled him off of... Uh, They've pulled up. They pulled his merch off. They've pulled him off of the active roster list. It's a work now. I totally get that. They could have just pulled him off a of TV because Wardlow beat him, and the effect would be better. Yeah, for because, Wardlow at least. Because now you and then have him come back, back. You know, in some. You know, I think I said the exact same thing last week, and I'm sorry. If no, you you might have, you might not have. I totally agree. We get, if he would have never, we get fucked up. If MJF doesn't come out the the night after and doesn't show any effect, then how? What's what's the point of having him take the ten power bombs? Right. He should have never been on TV. The promo was great, but he should have never been on TV. Yeah, and like. Wardlow was, like, looking at the crowd, being like, I'm going to powerbomb this motherfucker. And the crowd was just like, okay. Do like, it. We've, we've, yeah. we've seen it all. It's, it's Russell Cole and Gladiator at a certain point. You know how bad he is. It's just like, Now he's just chopping motherfuckers' heads off with the, the thrill of it. Now, I do want to talk about a match next that I liked a whole lot, which was Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay in a singles match. This match ruled. 
This is the second Osprey match. I mean, Osprey just flying back and forth. <laughs> but the the guy can just absolutely go. This was tremendous. The right guy went over in mm-hmm. Osprey. It turned into a schmoz afterwards, which we'll get to in a minute. Okay. But what do you think about Dax versus Osprey? I said it on Twitter last night, and I'm going to d- double down on it today. At some point, Dax Hardwood is not going – I'm not going to say he's going to be the AEW champion, but he's going to be a singles champion at some point. He's that damn good. He's awesome. And the fact that he held his own more so than his own with Will Ospreay only reinforces with that. I thought the match itself was good. The Will Ospreay getting his first singles win kind of takes away from everybody's like, you know, he shouldn't have lost last week. He didn't lose. He was part of the losing team. Kyle Fletcher – ate the pen. He was just a part of that losing team in that six-man tag on, on Rampage. To me, that's neither here nor there. I don't get two shits about that. This match itself, I had high expectations coming into it, and I thought Dax Hardwood kind of stole the show a little bit. Will Ospreay, I know what he can do. Dax Hardwood stepped up his game to the Will Ospreay level to where now I was like, okay, yeah, if it was the never open weight championship, Carl Anderson versus Dax, uh, Dax Harwood, I could totally see Dax Harwood taking uh, Carl Anderson out in that scenario. So, yeah, to me, the match was good, but it was more so about Dax Harwood than anything else. Can't add anything to that. That's pretty much exactly what I thought. I thought that Dax Harwood, even though he's considered a tag team specialist, he's the Bret Hart to Jim the Anvil. To uh, Cash Wheeler's uh, Jim the Anvil. Okay. Uh, then this segment got really bogged down. Uh, F- or no, I'm sorry. No, not this segment. Sorry. Never mind. F- yeah. our, uh, Dash. Hold on. Don't tell me. Dax Harwood and Dash Wheeler. Cash Wheeler. Cash Wheeler. Wasn't one of them Dash? NXT. Was Cash Dash? Cash was Dash. Sounds right. Feels right. Okay. And well, then, you and, don't and, even and, know. And then, <laughs> you roll your eyes. You don't know. Uh, then the best friends. Oh, I'm, I'm not a Rousey. I come down here. I'm <laughs> so pissed off. They took me out of lunch. Oh, they took me out of lunch. Put me in the principal's office. I'm Ronda Rousey. Uh, so, so then United Empire. Uh, sorry. United Empire came out first. United Empire comes out. Best friends come out. Uh, got pretty schmozzy. Next segment we have Moxley. Tanahashi. Who is who doesn't speak very good English? Came out to a big pop. The crowd was receptive to him. Nice job, St. Louis. Thank you. Uh, Moxley, who I think we were having this conversation a couple weeks ago about like the best promos. And I mean, I said that Moxley might be one of the best. Somebody fought back. Maybe. No, you didn't. It wasn't you, was it? I don't think it doesn't seem like Zach would either. Maybe I'm making stuff up. Maybe it was a dream I had. Anyway, Moxley cuts this. I don't think he's the best. I think he's one of the. If you had oh, a guy enough, he's f- tremendous. Guys, he's tremendous. Yeah, though. tremendous. And he had to carry this segment in in particular. And he did not waver at all. This was a great segment, carried by Moxley, basically cutting a promo in Tanahashi's face, being like. I've been chasing you down for three years. I fought Kenta on strong in a 
empty room. Boom. Yeah. He said, and now and that match was oh, so good. Go ahead. Yeah, that match was good at the height of the pandemic when yes. there were when there were no crowds. Yes. That match is really good. It it would have been unbelievable in front, in front of, crowd. of the crowd. Yeah. Moxley cuts this tremendous promo on Tanahashi, respecting the shit out of him, saying that you know you're the only ace, but. When At the forbidden door, I'll, you're going to be calling me the ace. ace. Now I, like, I take a little exception to that. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh shit! There is another ace. There is another ace in the business, and it, you know he got, you know, given some slave girl by Vince McMahon. But mm. um, <laughs> should God I cut that? Damn, should I waste. cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you you gave me shit for saying out. You know he had his way with her, but yeah, go ahead. Listen, I'm saying power to the victims. I can also make the joke about Johnny Ace being better than Tanahashi, which is a joke. A joke. A huge joke. Even though he did create the stunner. Um, so talk. Moxley cuts this great promo on Tanahashi. Jericho comes out with Ty Conti and Sam Guevara. Uh, Suzuki Goon come out. This segment had way too much stuff in it. Way too much stuff. Jericho had to introduce like four other wrestlers. He introduced Desperado. He introduced a couple other guys. He introduced one guy whose name I've never heard of that the crowd popped for. And I feel like I know some Japanese shit and I had never heard Suzuki? of this guy. No, I, no. So, so it's going to be a multi-man match. This is the part that I don't want to happen at Forbidden Door. I don't want a bunch of multi-man matches. I don't want a bunch of multi-man matches in New Japan pay-per-views, basically. I want to see some one-on-ones, maybe some tag teams. I do not want to see a four-on-four with Suzuki, Manoa Suzuki, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and whoever else versus, and Desperado versus four other guys. That's just not what I'm here for. That's the New Japan formula? It is. In this scenario? So this feels like this is New Japan booking to me. Um I will agree, especially coming off of the Moxley-Tanahashi segment where you had a bunch of guys running in. Just for a guy that knows the New Japan guys, Desperado, when he came out, was like, oh, shit, you know, Lance Archer, you know, even if you don't know New Japan, you should know Lance Archer as an AEW fan. Still, once again, oh, shit. And then... You had basically the JS, you know, running, you know, just interference everywhere. The case, no matter. For me, I got the segment. I guess where, if you once again, there's people that like AEW that never seen New Japan. It's a quick way to introduce Desperado. You know who Minoru Suzuki is. You know who Lance Archer is. We were Yuta. Um, everybody knows who he is. Shota Umino is the guy that uh, Jericho called out, and, he, and uh, the That's crowd the got a big pop. Okay, I so don't know who that is. You know who he is. He's Shooter. He's uh, he was the guy in the G one, uh, the only G one that Moxley was in. He was the Japanese young boy that was helping him around, and he ends up becoming up. You know, trust me. Okay, you know him if you saw him. And it's one of one of the few things about the Moxley G one that's Listen, really funny besides him losing the Yano. I'm saying if I'm if I if I've watched the last four G ones 
and I watched this year's Best of the Super Juniors. He was at uh, Windy City uh, Riot. He had the uh, open challenge against Jay White. What I'm saying is, if me as a... I wouldn't even call myself a casual New Japan fan. I would call myself a New Japan fan. I watch all the big ones. I watch the tournaments. I don't watch a lot of undercard stuff because I only have so much time. But if they're calling out somebody that I have to be like, who the fuck is that? Then there's too many people on the card. There's just too many people. This is not the way... He's heating up. This is not the way to build up this Forbidden Door pay-per-view. This Forbidden Door pay-per-view is not let's get as many people on the card as possible. It's like New Japan needs to put their best foot forward, all their best guys in a bunch of one-on-one matches, maybe a triple threat match, maybe one multi-man match, tag team matches. It is not let's have a bunch of fucking four-on-four matches and throw as many people on the card as possible. If it's successful, you try to make the first one successful and you put your best foot forward with all your best guys. And then maybe, hopefully, the marks that aren't watching it will start watching it and then they can discover guys like Yumino or they can discover guys like Desperado or they can discover guys like El Fantasmo or they can discover guys that aren't supposed to be your top 10, 12 guys. Umino, Umino, however you say it, he is not one of your best 15 guys. Why are you putting him on the show? Why is his name even being said on Dynamite? Why aren't you having Evil come over? Why aren't you having fucking Suzuki come, or uh, Sonata coming over? And I don't even like those guys necessarily, but they are better, and they are better characters, they are better realized, and they are better known by the people in the crowd that will start... If you're standing next to somebody and they know Sonata, maybe you'll be like, oh, well, this guy knows Sonata. Maybe I'll start paying attention to this guy. They're not thinking that way at all. And this is not... Tony Khan... Sorry, he is not selling this pay-per-view the right way, if you ask me. Tony Khan and New Japan are... They are fucking this up. Oof. Okay, that's a lot to unpack. I'll go just with bullet points, the things that I would like to, you know, at least push I'm back on. Um, you were, Sonata is one guy that you brought up. We when with, with Will Ospreay, we said Will Ospreay was the right guy to go over. But Sonata, you want Sonata on the card. I'll ask you this. Sonata. If he has a one-on-one match, who do you want Sonata to have the one-on-one match with? Oh, I don't know. Fucking uh, Phoenix? Penta? Pac? Okay. I, he could have great match with Buddy Matthews. I don't know. He could have a great match with all sorts of different dudes. Okay. At least you have an answer. Fair enough. I'll move on to my next point. I just went on a rant, so I will step back, but... No, no, because you're gonna. I'm gonna have to ask you, you know, to come in and come out for, you know, are all those point. answers decent? I don't have a problem with that. At least you have a answer to the question. It's just not, you know, Sinai shouldn't be on the card. So who should he face? Well, I don't know. You, I have no problem with any of those guys you have come up with. I mean, my answer is always gonna be like Phoenix, you know, and that's because per- I because I, I love Phoenix. Penta, or as they say, Phoenix. Okay, either or is fine. If you look at AEW's booking, it's not like they don't do 
trios matches, eight-man tags, ten-man tags. They do that shit, too. So let's not sit up here and act like it's all, and I said it first, it's not all New Japan. AEW does it, too. So it's going to be a scenario where, yeah, you might not like this eight-man tag, or in the case of Anarchy in the Arena, I had no interest in it. And all of a sudden, it broke broke out, and it was like, oh, my God, it was one of the best matches I've seen. You knew all the players, though. If you're not going to be, okay, the niche market. That was the other thing I was going to talk about. Okay, so in a scenario where St. Louis kind of gave a, a good pop to Tanahashi, but I know who Tanahashi is. I've seen enough of his matches where I know his greatness. But if you've never, you know, I met somebody that's never seen New Japan before. So this is somebody in a wrestling think tank when we were watching Double or Nothing You've never seen who? You've never seen what? That, to me, blows my mind. Maybe I just have too much time on my hands. That's another story for another time. Okada gets a good pop. Tanahashi gets a good pop. I guess where you're worried about they're fucking it up, if you gave them, like, if WWE would do it, Tanahashi would have his own little, like, video segment he's done this he's done that you've seen him you know do these matches okada the same way with tony Khan, i think he just assumes that you know who okada is you know who tanahashi is you know who desperado is and you just need to keep at that point those who know know those who don't know that's i think where you're missing the boat a little bit fair enough I see your point, and I think it's a good point, and there's nothing I can say that shits on it. What I will say, though, is that if you're just Tony Khan, if you're Tony Khan and all you're doing is trying to play to the play to the crowd that's already there, right? Yeah. If you're, you're still doing it wrong because people like – Watching, you know, crazy multi-man tag matches. Yes, they do. And it's great for the live crowd. But if you're trying to play the long game, which is I want to build up New Japan so that New Japan and AEW can both feed off of each other so that it is a rising tide that floats both, boats. floats both boats, then what you want to do is... You want to say, listen, I'm going to take my 10 best, my 10 best New Japan wrestlers, or the the 10 best New Japan wrestlers, and I'm going to face these 10 best of my guys. And if there are guys that aren't in the paper, listen, there are people that aren't on pay-per-views all the time in AEW because they have a roster of 160 guys. Ridiculous. Are What you have to do is say, okay, well, I have Zack Sabre Jr. versus... Daniel Bryan. You say, I want to have Sonata versus Phoenix. You say, I want to have Yano versus Danhausen, you know, as your popcorn match. Right. Like, the point is to try to get more people to watch. If this is why I say to my wife all the time, I hope she's not listening. She hasn't listened in about 215 episodes. <laughs> When she gets mad about something little, I always say, you know, if everything's a big deal, then nothing's a big deal. Right. And if every guy, if they treat, if Jericho has to come out and announce Desperado and Yumino, 
And he has to come out and be like, oh, and fuck Wheeler, Utah and all this shit. I don't think Wheeler, Utah should be on the show either. It's like if he has to come out and announce all these guys, it's going to be too much for people that have never seen New Japan. And it's not going to turn anybody on to New Japan. It's going to have that that AEW watcher that's never watched New Japan be like, well, all those guys were New Japan. Instead of being like, whoa, well, I really liked Hiromu. Because he fought by himself and he had colored hair and he did a bunch of crazy shit and had a killer fucking 15-minute match with uh, Penta. It might not. I will concede on that because in the sense where if you just did a bunch of one-on-ones, it's easier for the the emotional connection to have. I'll say this and we can move on if you like. Um, to me... When you even when you have the multi man matches, even if somebody that you don't know, Shooter Umino, does something great and you're like, damn, okay, I like this kid. All from that point is you just have to kind of, you know, do your research. And I think that's a, a lot of this is the fact that Tony Khan is catering to his audience. And I get that. He's not trying to, like you're saying, he's not trying to bring in everybody. And that's where I think a problem is. If you're going to make AEW anywhere close to where WWE is, he's not going to change his booking style. But how you present people, it should be different. But to use the analogy of the forbidden door, right? Right. So let's say you kick over this forbidden door, Mm -hmm. which, which the forbidden door was initially... Coined by Tanahashi, I think. Yep. And he was talking about coming over, coming over, and Japanese wrestling and American wrestling because American wrestlers have always gone to Japan, and the reverse has barely ever happened. You can probably count on five fingers the the uh, Japanese wrestlers that have really made an impact, successful, successful. Like coming you, from you, here you can there. talk about Great the, is the one. You is can talk about the, the indeed guy from the Attitude Era, and I can't remember his name right now. Oh shit, Funaki. Funaki, yes. You can talk about Chop him. His PP, right? He was and uh, Tajiri. Those guys were good, but they but didn't. They, they made them WWE. So stereotypical. They can't speak English. You know, right. we're chopping off peepees and shit like that. I'm just like, God damn. Like, really, Asuka's, Asuka's probably the one in WWE that's made the most impact just because she's held the heavyweight title, yeah, you yeah. know. But anyway, my point is, if you want to use the analogy of the forbidden door, then you have to let guys walk through it. If you try to let everybody through it, they're going to be shoulder to shoulder like a fucking Keystone Cops fucking parody, <laughs> and they're going to be stuck in the door, and nobody's going to get through. That's my point. That was, yeah, I got to say, that was pretty eloquent. No, it, it gave the visual, and I could get, get a giggle off that. Thank you. And I totally agree with you. It's just, it's, 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 a, it's a work in progress. I would be lying if I did not say that I'm giddy about just not even just forbidden door, but 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 more so about what could be. I don't want because you, now it it could actually happen. I don't want you to get me wrong. I am so looking forward to this pay per view, and I am so looking forward to like five of the matches that will end up being on it. I would just have if you're trying to build a New Japan brand to the American audience that is 
so ready to take it and so ready to love it like AEW's crowd is. Right. You're just giving them too much. It's just too much. You have to you have to you got Will Ospreay and Tanahashi on there for the last couple of weeks and those and everybody is just getting to know those guys if they didn't know them before. They're like, "Oh, okay. Well, okay. I know that Moxley has tons of respect for this guy." And that's going to stick with me in my brain. And Let's I, go to YouTube and see what he can do. And I just watched Will Ospreay and Dax Harwood have a banger of a television 13-minute match. And now Will Ospreay, I'm like, ooh, he comes out with a fur coat. This guy looks badass. You know what I mean? He's got a great look. He's right. a great professional wrestler. Jesus. And, great then you sh- and then you shove all these other guys into it. That is, they're just not, it's, it's just too much information. It's what we said last week. It's the Tony Khan, we didn't start the fire kind of book. And, you know, you got your match. But it's the then same, it, now we're bringing all these eight other guys in to set up other three matches. It's the same reason why I'm not trying to teach my 10-month-old daughter long division. I'm just being like, one, two, right. three. Baby steps. One, two, three. It's Foundation. Just like, so basically, I just called everybody that doesn't watch New Japan a fucking infant. Not even that. Not even that. Uh, so next up, we had Tony, or sorry, we had Miro versus Ethan Page. Right guy went over. Did it? Oh, yeah. Are you does, fucking does kidding Miro, me? No. Are you fucking kidding See, me? I was going. I was trying to, I <laughs> thought you were going to be on my side on this one. <laughs> Does Miro need the All Atlantic title? Sure. Why? Put it's, any title on him you want. Wouldn't you want him to chase the world title? Is he not bigger than the one, two, <laughs> three? No, the, the foundation's been set. He's been the TNT t- champ. Yeah, but he's been gone for a while. He's been gone for a while. Wow. He's been gone for four months. Wow. Five months. Okay. Um,. The match itself I thought was good. Listen, I'd rather him not lose to Ethan Page. So, okay, Ethan so Page I guess here's my buster. next. Okay, so here's my. He's a buster. Wow. kind of sucks. Okay, just for the, the sake of expedition, I'll just say this. I disagree that Ethan Page sucks. I liked him in the impact as a singles guy. I think he's not getting enough chance on AEW as a singles guy. And this has been an opportunity to put him over Miro, who's pretty much bulletproof at this point as far as I'm concerned. No, a loss, a no, loss no. to Ethan Page wouldn't have been the end of the world. It would not. Yeah, it would have been. Okay. I, I think it actually would have been. He needs to. He needs to. Are because, you serious right now? You think a, a loss to Ethan Page would hurt Miro to where he couldn't challenge for the world title in a couple months, six months? I don't know if it would have hurt Miro. It would have hurt me. And the, okay, that, ultimately that's all that matters. Fair enough. That's right. I'm the fan. Give a fuck about these people. <laughs> I'm the fan. Fair enough. Okay, that makes me feel better about my I, I, w- I would have been pissed if he would have lost. I would have been pissed. Okay. I just And I get mad at Marks for getting pissed about stuff because it's like, oh, it's just wrestling. I would have been pissed. I think it's a chance to make Miro a top-tier guy where you make Ethan Page the mid-card guy where I'm not saying he's going to be champion, but, I mean, damn. Why did you sign him if you're not going to do something? Anything okay. with him. I have two questions for you, but the second one depends on how you answer the first, first one. <laughs> All right. You fucked this up. We get you the ready? second question. Yes, sir. 
Should Tony Storm have gone over Britt Baker? Yes. Why did Britt Baker win the Owen? It's so stupid. She wins the Owen and then she starts losing? Okay, here's the problem with that. Is that I was hoping you were going to say yes. Ooh, I was hoping. It's the makeup call. When Thunder Rosa should have won. Should Tony Storm go over Thunder Rosa? That's the bigger question. Of course she should. Thunder Rosa just got the title, man. I mean, damn. Tony Storm. I mean, damn. We just going we just going to piss on the the, the Thunder Rosa yeah. story up to this point yeah. where she just had to terrible promo. Look, it's not even it wasn't even a promo. She oh. was only the, the people only got behind her because she was against Britt Baker, which goes back to what no Stone Cold always says, can't have a great baby face without a great, great heel. heel. Okay. If you wanted to put in the kayfabe style portion of the program, all all Thunder Rosa did was just give, you know, make us even Steven. Marina Shafir attacked me post-match. You came out, gave the save. All I'm doing now is taking, you know, Jamie Hayter away. And now after the fact, you won the match queen, which you should, especially the fact you just lost to Britt Baker with some chicanery and fuckery. You won this match, the second match queen. We're going. Obviously, we're getting Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. I'm just not. I wish they would have just given this Thunder Rosa reign more time before you. Now you put Tony Storm up in this bad boy because now the loser is kind of a loser. Now I don't say kind of a loser, but you ever heard of a transitional champ? Thunder Rosa should not be a transitional champion. Period. Well, she. Period. Tony Storm should be champion. Fine. The match what? that we should be leading towards in the women's division AEW, the biggest match that should be, is Tony Storm versus Jade Cargill. For the title. Yeah. That's the match. That's the match. That's the match that people want to see. Those are the two big... Th- Listen, everybody's sick of Britt Baker. But Britt Baker moves the needle, whether you like her or not. She's the she's the one that moves the needle. You don't think Tony Storm will move the needle? She moves. Uh, I'll be Zach here for a second. She, she moves, moves my, my needle. needle. <laughs> 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 and I agree with that. I'll just say this: the Britt Baker story has been, you know, well planned out. Thunder Rosa has not been that good. Jade has been good. It's been Britt Baker. It almost feels like it's either. You know, Tony Khan has interest in you or he doesn't. If he doesn't have interest in you, then he'll manipulate the way to get to where the match he wants should be. I don't understand why Thunder Rosa hasn't gotten a better push. Tony Storm the same way. This match should feel bigger than what it is at Forbidden Door. It feels like it's just been kind of pushed together. And now this is where we're going to be. It's because of Thunder Rosa. It's not. She is. She's what? She doesn't have the charisma that a Britt Baker or a Tony Storm does. She might be able to go, it, but she doesn't feel like a champ. Wow. <laughs> unbelievable. Okay. Is that unbelievable? Yes, very much so. I don't know. Very I, like, much she, so. She comes, on, she comes on and I'm like... Like Jesus Christ, we gotta sit can through we, another one. Can of these we Thunder not, Rosa can white we not, meat baby face okay, fucking promos? A, a part of this problem I mean, is the white okay. queso baby face promos. Look, she's Mexican. 
You had her against Nyla Rose. That's not a good build. You did Serena Deeb. The match was good. That's not a good build. Thunder Rose's strength is not talking. It's in the ring. You got to figure out as Tony Khan, what's the best way you can make a Thunder Rosa slash Tony Storm match better? Go ahead, Horshack. I got an idea. I got an idea. If she's not good in the mic, but she's good in the ring, why don't you put her in the ring and stop putting her on the mic? How about that? Let kinda me book what the territory. Kind of no, what they're not, doing no, now. With Thunder Rosa? Yeah. All she does is cut a, come out and cut a promo with Tony Giovanni. She didn't come out on, on Dynamite on Wednesday? No, she came out and just held up her belt. It's what it's all about, man. Damn. And then the other two chicks in the ring held up their belts, and then everybody in the crowd held up, up their, their belts. belts. <laughs> Excalibur holds up his belt, and he's like, I'm the... EWE uh, <laughs> champion, <laughs> and then uh, Jr. holds up his belt, and uh, the Oklahoma it's just, champion. His pants fall down because it's his actual belt. Uh, so then we have uh, Adam Page comes out, cuts a promo. Adam Cole, baby, man, yeah, I'm full of hot. hot. T- I'm full of hot takes. Tonight. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Kind of getting sick of Adam Cole. I did not want to see him come out. You know who should be in this match? If they're going to make it a triple threat, it should be Moxley. It should be Paige, Moxley, Jay White. Now, that would be a match. Paige, Adam Cole, and White? Fuck. I don't know. Okay. So, let's get this straight. Yes. So, John Moxley has called out Tanahashi for the better part of two years. But we're going to pull Wardlow. No, I'm just saying in, a, in, a, in, I'm saying in, a, in a vacuum. If you if this you match to, would feel bigger to me if it was Adam Page versus Jay White versus John Moxley than if it was and have Adam Cole baby fight Tanahashi. I'd actually I understand the build and everything. I'm just telling you for that match, if that's going to be a triple threat, I would rather have Moxley in it than Cole because otherwise it's Page and Cole have very similar styles. Their first name is Adam. They're both short. They both have blonde hair. Their first name is Adam. Oh, my God. They're both short. They both have blonde hair. That's Their it? first name is Adam. Okay. They're just very similar. So, you got to throw in something different there. I don't care if it was Eddie fucking Kingston. I throw fucking Phoenix in there. I don't care. This match is a disappointment to me. Oof. I don't know. I, I don't know. I did not intend to come in here so negative. I mean, you you you've coming in hot. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, if you're gonna make Jay I gotta White be true to myself though, and I'll expect more. I would be pissed if you weren't. If you want to make Jay White the, you said that this was probably a Jay White uh, recall from him not being able to be the champion. Before the pandemic, you want to make Jay White strong. At some point, Jay White and Okada are going to have to cross paths again. We don't have the blocks coming out for the G1, but at some point, I would assume they're going to cross paths. You want to make Jay White strong as humanly possible. You got intrigue within Bullet Club and the Undisputed Elite. Basically the same thing, but not the same thing. Two heels. And Adam Page, who's is the guy that just lost the AEW championship that came out and was like, you know, I don't have a child, you know, I don't have a championship match to go in. I was just a champ and now I'm not even on the card. It kind of makes sense. Yes. I'm not saying it's the best match we're going to get, but it kind of makes sense. For me, all I ask is connect the dots. And for me, 
if you did this triple threat, it connects the dots. Okada, Okada is the only problem with this. If Okada comes over, a lot of this shit goes away because now you get the singles matches you want. Man, I, I think that's the point. Like, I don't think I, that's I, the point. Well, I mean, no. Well, I was just saying that you made a really good point, but you don't think it was a good point? No, I'm just saying Did that. You believe in yourself. <laughs> you a little bit more confidence. Yeah, like I got like more... black in confidence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I played softball with you. Uh, and so uh, in the main event, we have the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. The Hardys were supposed to be in this. They were taken out for reasons that we covered in the one count. But this was the match that you expected it to be. It was a spot fest. It was... When I saw all the Luchasaurus tables out going there. through four tables at once. I'm like, I see all these tables out there. And it's Excalibur a goes, there okay. goes the double decker. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. No, nah, it was good. It was fun. There was it was, it was everything no, that I it wanted. Was a, it was a spot fest. It was everything I wanted. The team that I thought was Crowd going was over. Hot. Yeah. The team that I thought was going over went over. The only two problems with this is number one. When you saw the tables out there and it's a ladder match, you know it's going to be a bunch of spots going in. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Number two, I think they kind of, if you know wrestling like you you should, if you watch this or listen to this podcast, when they put out Jungle Boy's mom and his sister at ringside. See, I guess knew, I missed that part. Okay. When they, it was, I don't even think it was before. They uh, should have been banned from. This is banned from ringside. In that scenario, they should have been away from the. The um the ring so it at least gives us a little more suspension of disbelief. So you jumped ahead a little bit. It was a great match. Everybody liked it. Christian turns heel on Jungle Boy at the end. To me, that's it's one of the We've two been, big it's been, things. It's been being well, of course, it's been being teased for a while. Yes, rightfully so. I think the right right amount of tease. I I understand that people want it to last shorter, but I don't mind. I don't mind it happening for six weeks or however long it's been happening. It's been happening for a while. Okay. I don't mind that. But I guess that's kind of my point with Tony Khan to begin with, with his booking style. Some booking is like, we didn't start the fire and we're doing a bunch of shit at once. Such a great analogy. And then <laughs> it really so, is. It's it so really good. is. And then other shit, it's like, it's a epic story and he does it the way that wrestling marks like right. you and I, and I want to see. I think some of it depends on, okay, well, what happened this last week? Well, we can't have t- these two big things happen at the same time, even though he has stacked he stacked the Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan debuts right Bryan on top of each, each other, other, which is I mean, the, no fucks given. there will be A&E documentaries about it someday. <laughs> no they will, fucks t- they will talk about it. Why? It's, because I can. It, yeah, it's, an, it's, it's crazy booking. Honestly, it's it's but a lot at some points. Maybe some week he was like, "Well, we can't have Christian turn this week because I want it to be a big deal. I want it to be at the end of a, at the end of a show, so it's the last thing that everybody remembers. And I don't want I don't want to overshadow something else, even though he doesn't mind overshadowing the Young Bucks taking the tag titles with the Christian heel turn because now the Young Bucks have the tag titles, right? Which is it's the it's the first two time champions in AEW, yeah, and it uh, makes sense. It's not time. a bad title change. It's, no, in fact, no. it's the right title change. It probably is, especially going in the Forbidden Door. Yes, yeah. Now you got you once again. You have options. FTR is on the table. Briscoes are on the no. table. Let's see Bucks versus Con on the cop. Let's see Bucks versus Con on the cop. Let's see 
fucking Jeff Cobb do a double tour of the island, just stack oh, those oh, Jacksons yeah. on top of them. Just fucking <laughs> Dude, okay. That's that's what I want to see. Okay. Bucks being I, I, the champs. I just love Jeff Cobb, and I love the Bucks, and I would like to see them in a match Bucks together. Bucks being the champs makes total sense at this point because it, it, it achieves two things. You get the right team on the forbidden door the first time. You want to have your right best guys stepping forward. Bucks are that team. Number two, you now have gotten us to where Christian is finally flipped on Jungle Boy. All right, so when did 90210 play in the states was like 90 to oh, 97 or something like that it was something like it started like 89 90 yeah i was in high school basically so do you think i mean christian was <laughs> let's say christian was born in 70 you know so he was probably watching 902 and 0 when he was 20 21 it was a phenomenon it's hard for kids to remember that back in those days, if you didn't know. not everybody had cable. Right. And if you didn't have cable, you only had four channels. Yeah. So you could only watch 90210. Or Rose Place came after that. Hell or you could, watch, you could watch like 90210. You could watch like Just Shoot Me. You could watch Murphy <laughs> Brown. Or you could watch That's Incredible on 30. <laughs> and you ended up watching 90210. It's hard for people to... It's hard for people that didn't live through that time to know that that's what TV used to be like. But everybody watched 90210. My point is here that Christian watched 90210. Do you think he ever looked at uh, Dylan, who was Luke Perry? <laughs> Luke Perry as being Jungle Jack Perry's dad, Jungle Boy's dad. Do you think he ever looked at him and was like, can't wait to turn on that turn heel on that guy's kid. Man. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take like, this. What an insane world! And then turn to <laughs> turn to Luke Perry's widow and say, "You raised a piece of shit." Okay, <laughs> I'm like, damn. There's nothing, there's nothing like wrestling. I'm there like, is dude, nothing okay. like wrestling. The concerto. So, I was God. like, okay, we could go off the air with that, but no, no, no. You raised a piece, piece of, of shit. shit. He yelled, at, he yelled at Luke Perry's widow. That's where, <laughs> as much as I run down Tony Khan for the last 20 minutes, so he good. does it right. He just oh, needs yeah. to be consistent the about good, this the, shit, yeah. for Christ's sake. Listen, I've been, I've, I've been bitching for the last hour, but the good outweighs the bad, for yeah, sure. It, for sure. Not don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot more good than bad. It was just like when the bad happened, it was bad in clumps. When the good happened, it was good in clumps. I criticize out of love. So that's going to do it for our three counts. One, two, three. So we were talking about uh, G1 coming up. So just some relevant information for those who are New Japan fans like myself and Bill, Zach, Brett. Shout out to uh, Brett for... uh, I don't, know, I don't know what you're about to say, so talk to me. Fuck okay. those guys. Look. Okay, I'm listening. We were talking about the G1 and when it's going to happen, who's in it. So mm-hmm. I just Googled it. So let's talk about it for 30 seconds. So the G1 for this year is going to start. This is a uh, real role reversal. I like that you're asking me. <laughs> it's weird to me, too. Trust Take me. Take it away, Doug Williams. <laughs> So the G1. How long have you been a black host? <laughs> Maybe like two or three weeks, give or take, every year. Uh, G1 starts on the 16th of July going through the 18th of August of obviously this year. Hell yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I take away from the G1 is they're going to do four blocks of seven versus the usual two blocks of ten. What? Um, so what? 
so it's going to be in theory the biggest quote unquote. And uh, everybody gets a buy. I'm not. As far as I'm concerned, they haven't broke down how they're going to do it. The way, the way I'm figuring it is, everybody wrestles everybody in their block. Um, the way they announced it, everybody wrestles everybody in their block. The winner of the A block and the B block meet each other in the semifinals. C block and D block meet each other in the semifinals, and the winners meet in the finals. And then you have the eventual G1 champion. Okay. Okay. Four blocks fucks me up though. It's seven matches. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. In no particular order, your entrance for this year's G1, Okada, Tanahashi, Naido, Goto, Tamatanga, Shingo, Chase Owens, Bagla Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, Evil, Tom Lawler from uh, M- yeah, M- MLW and New Japan Strong. If you watch either or, that was a little surprise to me. Uh, Juice Robinson, Jonah from, once again, New Japan Strong and uh, Impact Wrestling. You have uh, Yoshi Tashihashi, uh, your boy Yano. Pff, fuck that nigga. Um, Ishii, Put him in every block. Ishii, <laughs> Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, Aaron Hornari, Will Ospreay, Sonata, Jay White, Kenta, El Fantasma, which was a kind of surprise, especially yeah. being a junior. That now is. he's in the uh, G1 now. Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, and David Finley was the last of a surprise. A little bit of a surprise to me in Wait, the sense. Wait, who were the last three? Zack Sabre Jr., yeah. Lance Archer. So Hiromu's not in it? Hiromu is not in it. He's got a match with. Um, so Phantasma's in it. And but Hiromu's not. Mm. Hiromu should be in it. Okay, so he's the okay. most exciting guy on their fucking uh, roster. Okay, so I mean the most exciting guys on the roster are Osprey and Hiromu. Okay, so riddle me this, Batman. If you have Hiromu and Ishimori wrestling for the junior championship, if Hiromu wins, you're gonna have him in the G one. Yeah, why can't the why can't the light or you can't can't I would the junior heavyweight can, I would just think that would that's going to be a lot of, I guess, extra Or fucking extra put it on Ishimori, then. Like, it, okay. Put it on Ishimori and put Hiromu in the fucking uh, G1. I would rather have Hiromu in the G1 than over, Hiromu. Over, okay, so. Oh, yeah, you, I mean. Finley, El Fantasmo. Not El Fantasmo, not Finley. Tom Lawler. Not Tom Lawler. Jonah. Not Jonah. No, I like both those dudes. I mean, I'd probably get rid of. Did you say bad luck valet? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I'd get rid of bad luck valet. But, okay, so then. Is Jeff Cobb? Yo, you said Jeff Cobb. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the guys, at least in the he's semifinals. He's going to be a player, yes. Yeah, I think he's at least in the semifinals. Okay, now that being said. Hanare? I mean, I'd rather have Hiromu in than Hanare. And you would, too. Okay, but then, I'm look, I'm not saying that you. I mean, let, let's face it. I'd rather how have. How do you her- book him at that point? That's my. I guess there was the next question. What I'm saying is that, like, I'd rather watch a Hiromu match against player X than almost anybody else in the tournament, him except for Okada and Saber Junior and Osprey. Him versus Suzuki in the New Japan Cup was great. I get where you're going with this. I think well, him ultimately- versus fucking Desperado last week was great. Juniors versus juniors. I'm trying to make this where it's it's like the New Japan Cup was, where you have juniors right, versus heavyweights. Okay. Well, I'm going to say this then. Like the the weight 
the weight thing does not matter in wrestling. I know they try to make it, and but like, what you have to do is just put Hiromu in the fucking G1 because it's going to rule. I think it's going to happen. I just don't think it happens right now. I think there's a lot of different, you know, oars in the, the water, so to speak. You know, fishes in the water, whatever you want to call it. Okay, they, they got a lot of shit going on. And this is just on the New Japan side. Uh, uh, Kojima won the the Noah Openweight cha- oh not the Noah Openweight Championship. He won their GHC Heavyweight Championship. So you have a non-contracted Noah guy in Kojima, somebody that I thought is after Tanahashi, after John Moxley, Kojima is one of the guys that I think should get some credit for this Forbidden Door right. experiment. He's a non-contracted Noah, uh, non-contracted Noah guy that's won their title. Uh, who are you picking? Jesus Christ! Just one, one word. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's um, Saber Junior's time. Jeff Cobb. I'll take Saber Junior. Fine. Couple of guys in. Uh. This is banned from ringside. Riddle has a championship match on Friday, tomorrow baby. night against Roman Reigns, which is seems a little quick, but I'm here for it. Yeah. I, I want them I to see what happens. Yeah, I want to see. Think, I want to see title matches on regular TV too. Yeah, I think it, it shouldn't it shouldn't necessarily always be on uh, premium premium live events. Let's see what I did there. So, if Riddle loses, he can never face Reigns again during this championship. He can't rematch. That's, and it's totally fine. Reigns, let's just say for the sake of argument. Do you Reigns think this is where Orton comes back? No. No. I, honestly, I think Riddle loses, and it's okay. You think Riddle loses clean? I'm not saying he loses clean, but he's going to lose. And then... You, you can have Reigns. He's going to lose, yes. You can have Reigns do his thing. You can have Riddle do his thing. That's the thing with Randy Orton. You don't think Orton comes back and RKO's? Screws Riddle. It's, or or there's just shenanigans with Uso's the bloodline. It, yeah. shen- and Orton comes, out and Orton comes out and RKO's everybody. You know. I'm just no, saying. No. I, would, I would look for Orton. I think that we're getting worked think, on I this Orton th- injury. I we're th- getting worked on it. Obviously, this is not a real deal. I'd say... It's going to still drag out a little longer. Oh, but to where there's, there's people that are leaking to uh, to the wrestling journalists. Right. There are people that are leaking that it's an actual it's, thing. It's, that is back you know, there. it's a backyotomy. We can say whatever we want now. Nobody's <laughs> listening anymore. <laughs> You'd be surprised who's listening. This is banned from ringside. All right, that's birthdays. That's all I want to talk about. We got birthdays this week. We have the Ultimate Warrior. R.I.P. What would have been sixty nine? The Sandman. Still alive. 59. One of the great. No, I said Warrior would have been 69. 63. What did I say there? You said 69. Yeah, 63. Sandman is 59. One of the great entrances in wrestling history. Uh, what's this guy's name? Razor? Razor. You remember him? Uh, if it's Razor Ramon, yeah. No. Razor. Kind of, sort of, maybe. WWE guy, yeah. The, one of the uh, the bad gimmicks in the... Uh, Authors of Pain. 
Oh, that guy. Yeah. I do remember that guy. Ackerman Razor. He was he's twenty eight this week. Uh still alive. Still alive. He's 28? 28, yeah. Jesus. I got one for you. Jungle Boy. <laughs> Happy birthday this week. How old do you think he is? I think they said uh, 23 on the... Uh... He's 25. He'll okay. be 25 this week. Minoru Suzuki on the other end. Mm. How old do you think he is? He's older than me, thank God. Um, I'm going to take my age and add 7... 55. Close, 54. Mm. Bruiser Brody. R.I.P. Would have been 76. Coco Beware. I think it's R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank 65. God. 65. Do you remember the name of Coco Pioer's parents? Oh, shit. I should have asked fuck, this. Fuck, I don't fuck, know fuck, the answer. Isn't it Matilda? No. It might be. It might be. Isn't it Matilda? It might be. God damn. I damn. should look it up. Yeah. Uh, See, you should have this answer to make me look bad. Oh, well, I thought that you would know, dude. Uh, dude, Coco that's, that's, that's a little. Beware. Parrot. Bird. Wow. that's that, Frankie. Yeah, that, that totally sounds right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and yep. Canadian Earthquake, the Earthquake. I'm sure he's RIP at this he's point. He's got to be, man. The guy was big. He's, okay. He would have been 59. God bless uh, him. This is banned from ringside. Jason's got something to say. Uh, just a quick go home thought. Um, I miss MJF. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm I'm not going to discount Wardlow by any point, but MJF is missed, and I know this AEW roster, and I, I've said it multiple times, it's it's bloated to the point where you probably don't need anybody else to come in especially on the men's side. But MJF is missed, and I think, honestly, he's the, the stir. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He he makes all things happen, and there's a lot of storylines that have MJF in it. Not saying he needs to be the champ, but at some point I'd like to see him come back. And that, uh, that was JCB's uh, finisher. <laughs> that ain't no, no, that ain't my finish. I'm jumping off some shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, Jason, I had fun. Did I miss you, Zach? But Good not so much. <laughs> I missed you two beer. Four two beers, Zach. For Murray, Jack, Murray. Four Jack, Patriot Pat. Jack. Four Tender Mahal. Jack. For wrestling at the Grandel. Jack. Let's see. For Reba the Dog. Who else am I missing? Am I missing anybody? For Vice. Oh. Check. Yeah, How double check. Vice? Double check. Yeah. Uh, your wife, your child. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Them too. Yeah. Check, check. Everybody. Black Lives Matter. Check. Uh, the sports logo weed check. dealer. Boo the heels. Boo. 